Chapter 6 The Time for Sleep The Prophet, peace be upon him, had never seen anything so big in his entire life. The first time he saw Jibreel weeks ago, he had been on a mountain. But now, now he was on the ground staring up at a titanic celestial being with the full enormity of it in view. His chest was heaving, his legs shaking uncontrollably. That cold feeling of losing consciousness was washing over him. His breathing was becoming panicked. This was real, this was real, this was real, he kept thinking. The angel had no less than 600 beautiful wings, some outstretched behind it, others swaying gently, others to its side. Each wing spanned continents. Its essence filled everything from the earth he stood on to the farthest reaches of the heavens. The angel Jibril dwarfed the mountains around him. A human was an insignificant speck to the throne he sat on, which itself filled the horizon. As Rasulullah struggled to even gaze at the angel, he became aware of a rattling sound all around him, almost like a torrent of rain. He stole a look around. Hundreds upon hundreds of multicolored pearls and rubies were littering the ground around him. They were rolling down Jibril's wings like raindrops dripping off the fronds of glowing palm trees. He was not ready for this. He did not know what to say or do. Jibril gazed down from his throne. He was staring right into his eyes. He couldn't take it any longer. From some unknown instinct, the Prophet Muhammad ran. The wind blew his hair and beard, but he did not stop. He ran until he felt a stitch in his side. But everywhere he looked, he saw the fiery gaze of Jibril. Muhammad! Zemmiluni, Dathiruni, Rasulullah gasped as he staggered into his home. It was happening all over again. Khadija, prepared this time, quickly wrapped Rasulullah in a blanket. Did he return? It happened again? Wrap me up, Rasulullah shouted, shaking and trembling. Khadija tightened the blanket around her husband. His eyes went wide as he stared at the open door. Khadija did not seem to notice the man in the doorway, but the Prophet could see him. The being of light had followed him this time. His stature had shrunk. He had taken the form of the man. White clothes, black hair, fiery eyes like stars. The man he had been seeing in his dreams. The man he had been seeing in the city. It was him. Rasulullah explained what happened. She listened patiently. When he concluded, she said, If your friend comes again, then tell me. I see him, Rasulullah exclaimed, pointing at the door frame where the human form of Jibril stood silently. Khadija looked at the door. She frowned. She saw nothing. Sit on my right side. Do you see him? The Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, yes. Sit on my left side. Do you see him? The Prophet again replied, yes. Jibril stared at them both and said nothing. He was unnaturally still. Only his eyes moved as the Prophet switched seats from right to left. There was no doubt he was not human. Then Khadija walked up behind her husband and sat right at his back. She removed her headscarf from her forehead and wrapped her arms around his neck. She crossed her legs around his waist, binding him in an embrace. Do you see him now? No, Rasulullah responded, surprised. 
The moment his wife had touched him, the steely-eyed man in the doorway had disappeared in the blink of an eye. Be firm. This is an angel, not a devil. Rasulullah broke away from her embrace and looked into her face with confusion. She smiled. A devil has no shame. But an angel would have too much modesty to stay around when a husband and wife are intimate. It seems Waraka was correct. Allah has sent Jibreel to you. The Prophet thought this made a lot of reassuring sense. Suddenly, he put his hands to his head. A deep ringing sound, almost like a bell, was reverberating in his mind. Khadija put her arms around him again. Muhammad, what happened? Oh, you who was wrapped up, worn and stand up, and your Lord glorify, and your clothing purify, and the impure abandon, and do not a favor for a ward. And be patient for the sake of your Lord. The ringing stopped. The voice of Jibril echoed away in his mind. Sweat dripped down his face, and he removed his hands from his head. You weren't answering. I feared for you. The Prophet was breathing heavily. It was a new revelation, new words from Allah. He stood up immediately. Warn and stand up, he muttered, repeating the revelation. Khadija backed away slowly. The Rasul's eyes were misty, his face strained. He relayed the new words to his wife. Allah, he wants you to call people, to glorify him. And the impure abandon, the Rasul recited. The idols, the false gods everyone has been worshipping. The Rasul agreed. He understood now his mission, what it meant to be a prophet. He would be the one to convey the message. From Allah, the Lord and creator of everything, to the rest of the world. It was dark now. The Monday evening was transitioning to night. The Rasul ignited a candle by the window and drew the curtains back. Allah has answered your prayers. He sees the problems of our lands and he has sent you to guide people back to the truth. Oh Muhammad, you will convey the message of Allah himself. The Rasul turned away from the candle at the window. He faced Khadija with a very serious look. You? are the first one I call to this message, he said. Khadija stepped forward and took his hands. And I am the first one to accept this message. The Rasul looked towards their cot, humble and comfortable. So many nights were spent on that cot with his beloved. He realized at that moment that there would be few, if any, nights like those from now on. The time for sleep has passed, he said, squeezing his wife's hands. They washed their clothes washed themselves, making sure they were as pure and clean as possible. Then the Rasul faced the direction of the Kaaba from inside his living room. We should pray to him. He raised his hands up. It occurred to him that he wasn't exactly sure how one prayed to Allah. He had meditated, supplicated, and beseeched his Lord his entire life. But a formal prayer, the way Allah intended, that was new. Khadija stood behind him, awaiting his leadership. And your Lord glorify, he whispered, reciting the last revelation. He was acutely aware that at this very moment, Allah, His Highness, was watching them. It was now upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah to be the first to glorify Allah. He raised his hands high above his head, his face bowed in humility, and said, Allahu Akbar, God is great. Behind him, Khadija bint Khwailid, the very first to answer his call, did the same. 
It was as though a subliminal awareness that had been present his entire life had been awakened. He was in the presence of Allah. His prayer was a connection to his creator. The weight that had been in the Prophet Muhammad's chest for months was gone. The material world around him was gone. Allahu Akbar, he said, bowing down, his hands on his knees, his back arched low. Khadija felt a nourishment that was unlike anything she had experienced. It was not the nourishment of food or drink, it was her soul. Allahu Akbar, he said again, rising up and raising his hands. There was no God to worship except Allah. No deities of wood or stone, no images to visualize. Just the eternal presence of God, who sees but is not seen. The Rasul wondered what to do next. But the answer came so naturally to him, it was like instinct. Like a newborn instinctively knows its mother, though it has no concept of any such thing. Allahu Akbar, God is great. He bowed down all the way to the floor, prostrating with his face and hands to the ground and elbows out. This was the purpose of mankind, to worship, to pray to Allah, to surrender. The Prophet of Allah and his wife spent the night praying, prostrating, bowing, supplicating. The Rasul, peace be upon him, lifted his face off the ground one last time. He turned to Khadija. There were tear stains across her face as she lifted herself up as well. She had never experienced anything such as this before. They both turned to the right. Ali ibn Abi Talib was standing in the back of the room. His hair was messy, his feet bare, his eyes wide. It was clear he had been watching them for quite some time. What are you doing? Rasulullah and Khadija exchanged looks. The Rasul adjusted himself so he was facing his younger cousin. Muhammad, what is this? The religion of Allah, which he chose for himself and sent by it messengers. So I invite you to Allah exclusively, no partners associated with him, and to worship him and to reject Allah and Al-Uzza and the idols, he said. Ali's eyes were looking right into his. His face was only inches away from the Prophet's. He wore a very solemn expression that seemed out of place for a young boy. This is something I've never heard of before today. And I cannot make a decision before I speak to Abu Talib. The Rasul's uncle, Abu Talib, was one of the most senior members of Quraysh, the chief of the Banu Hashim clan. This new religion was not ready to go that high just yet. Rejecting the idols and calling to one god would surely be met with hostility if it became public too quickly. The Rasul moved even closer to Ali's small face, but he gave a disarming smile that put Ali at ease. If you do not become Muslim, remain silent, he said. Very well. Ali sat in a corner and watched Muhammad and Khadija pray. It was intriguing to see them so concentrated. Their eyes did not move. They were still apart from the occasional bow or prostration. Finally, when it was so late in the night that even the crickets ceased their chirpings, they concluded their prayer. You should get some sleep, Ali. But Ali could not sleep that night. He tossed and turned on his cot. The image of his cousin praying to one god was imprinted in his mind. The religion of Allah, Muslim. Muhammad had used the word to mean surrender or submit yourself. But Ali liked the sound of it. Muslim. It sounded so liberating. Ali had never worshipped Allah or Al-Uzza or any of the idols of Mecca. He had grown up in Muhammad's home and their household was staunchly against paganism. 
but his father, Abu Talib, he definitely worshipped the idols. Sometimes he gently tried to nudge Ali towards a sacrifice to a goddess or a quick supplication to a statue. It made Ali very uncomfortable when he did this. It felt like he was being lured into a prison. Why would he make himself a slave to a statue? Ali fell asleep thinking that maybe he didn't understand the religion of his father, but the religion of his cousin? That felt right. crying again. Very well, bring her to me, Ruqayya. Ali walked into the living room, rubbing his eyes. Khadija was cradling Fatima in one hand and churning butter with the other. Muhammad was sitting on the floor with a needle between his lips, studying his sandal, and he was concentrating on stitching it together for what seemed like the dozenth time. Ali sat in front of his cousin. It seemed like a normal day, but only a few hours ago he had witnessed Muhammad and Khadija with their faces to the ground. Muhammad. The Prophet, peace be upon him, placed everything down and turned his whole body to face Ali. He had a sincere smile. Whenever he spoke to Muhammad, he gave him his undivided attention. Yes, Ali, he said. Can you, can you repeat everything you said yesterday? The Prophet's smile widened and he said, Sure, I'm calling you to Allah alone, no partners associated with him, and to his worship and to reject and disbelieve in Allah and Al-Uzza. I accept. I am a Muslim. The Prophet beamed at him. Ali returned it with his own radiant smile. Muslim. One who submits himself. Surrenders. Ali felt that made a lot of sense. Muhammad had never lied to him once in his life. Why would he lie about Allah? Wherever the Prophet took him, he would follow. For he had never met an adult like him in his life. Ali's spirits were high for the rest of the day. He wanted to visit the Kaaba, so he could circle it as a Muslim for the first time. As he exited Khadija's home with faith and pride, the last thing he expected was someone waiting to subdue him and cover his mouth with their hands. Muhammad and Abbas stood side by side. Look, we're very happy about the new child. But there are too many kids for you, Abu Talib. You do not have the money to support all of them. Muhammad and I have agreed to raise one child each. Very well, Abbas. Choose which child to take. But let me keep Aqil. He is very dear to me. Abbas looked upon Abu Talib's many children, all stricken with poverty. All right, Jafar. You're with me. Muhammad went over and picked up the newborn. He raised him over his head with a smile. I shall have this one, he said. Jafar, go with your uncle Abbas. As for him, his mother wanted to name him Esad. I did not like that name, so I named him Ali. <laughs> <laughs>